under your butt. I'm of course surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Park. Welcome to the show, folks. The crew has been assembled. To my left is Mr. Seth Spotlight. Silence is golden. Duct tape is silver. Yes. That's what his t-shirt says. And to my right, I have bequeathed my cheap heat this evening. It sits upon his head. Good old Southern Wood. How are you, sir? Yeah, man. What's up, S.A.? Where did that come from? Hey, dude, you got to act the part if you're going to look the part. You got too many buttons. <laughs> yeah, where's your where's your ice? Like, what's Where's the chain oh, on your neck? I, I, I gave my chain away. That's you gave a, your that, chain away? Yeah, you gave it back to Randall? No, no, uh-uh, I, I did talk to Randall, though. It was No, it was actually was something just real nice that I did for... A young man that I've fallen in love with. He's he, one of the kids on the basketball team. And, okay. And uh, I, yeah. I passed it on. I didn't give it away. I passed it on to him for him to pass it on to somebody That's else. That's cool, man. Because it really was a cool thing that Randall did when he gave me that chain. Right. It was, you know. Thoughtful. It, it, well, yeah. And you, you can laugh and giggle about it and this and that. But it was something a little bit special. And, and it wasn't and, too gaudy yeah, by and, any means. No. And, and, and I love this kid. And I gave it to him. And I said, just think about me when you wear it. Because he's kind of... His parents aren't very involved with him, and that and kid's going to appreciate a lot more he, than you will. Yeah, I promise. I, I know it, and and I got Randall's blessings, and that's where it went. Okay, awesome. I'm well, sure that's what you want to talk about tonight. Sure, yeah, you giving <laughs> chains chain. to people, <laughs> right? No, what came to my mind this morning when I was looking at the news? Well, first off, I'll tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't the Michael Cohen hearing. Because as far as I'm concerned, that bit of theater is uh, another political Rorschach test. Or as they say on uh, Impractical Jokers, Horseshark test. Um, It is one of those things where uh, people are seeing what they want to see. Based on whether or not you support the president or don't like the president. I think people are watching that hearing. I've only caught a little bit of it. Reading the closed captioning here in the radio studio all day. And it just was over the top. It's not... Is this really what our Congress was intended to do? I suppose there's an argument for that, that Congress is supposed to be a thorn in the side of the president, any president. But it just seems so icky at the end of the day. Joey, do you remember the baseball trials in front of Congress? Vaguely, but with like Roger Clemens and a few others. 
what does the United States Congress, I mean, we've got wars going on everywhere. I mean, we hadn't passed a budget in the last, which this particular Congress didn't do it. But, man, we can't pass a budget. We can't get anything done. And they've got baseball players up there asking them, did you take performance-enhancing drugs? Yeah. Okay. Big duck. I had an injury. Your head doesn't grow that big. Barry Bonds' head did not increase that size without taking them. Why is Congress doing that? They love to get on camera and do crap like that. Exactly. And this goof they had on today... yeah, I mean, fine. Go on and do all that. You're but in the, now. Let me make sure I've got this right. Michael Cohen, he's going to jail, correct? Yes. Okay. What three is, years. He's going to jail for three years for doing what? Uh, some of it's like bank fraud, wire fraud, um, a few things. He'll do six months tops. I mean, the it could have been a sentence up to seventy years, and because he cooperated, and so to speak, what, he was what else given was he, leniency and what lying else? to Congress. Okay, so he was sentenced and convicted for lying to Congress. This is yes. not alleged for lying to Congress, and but Congress wanted to bring him in to testify to whom? Congress. Okay, but now everything he says is true. But he lied. Well, he was caught lying previously. again to Congress today, apparently, and even CNN admitted it that he claims he didn't seek any position in the White House, and that was just patently untrue. And actually, Mark Meadows let him walk it back, kind of hang himself, uh, and that he messed up. He's just very imprecise in the way he speaks. You could, I didn't buy the uh, how penitent or whatever he wasn't showing mm-hmm. too much atonement in my opinion and maybe again it's a political rorschach test i think some democrats would say oh look he's finally turned on donald trump and we're getting the goods no on no, no no he's turned to our side right is what trump. it is because yeah. what well, if you're what against is, trump you're on our side yeah, what and, it looks like and, mm-hmm. and and what is the president right now what is president trump doing as we speak right now he is in hanoi Hanoi, Vietnam. Vietnam, yes. And who's he talking to? Kim Jong Un. Okay, and he who is he bringing peace to? The, the Korean Peninsula. Korean Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Okay. He'll but do. It, he'll do nine months tops, maybe a year. Ergo, Miss Weiner. Right. She joined. She for three years. She did nine months or, for good behavior. No, it was no, that was not Mr. Weiner. Mr. Weiner. Yeah, oh. you're talking about Anthony Weiner. Either way, nine months. Right, what which was, is what was and his, they got out for good behavior. What was his name? His uh, alias. Yeah, I remember it. Come on, come on, Joey. Do you remember it, Seth? No, I do not. He had an alias online. Ooh, oh no, I do not remember. Carlos Danger. Carlos Danger. There Ooh, is. that's a good one. Where does he live? In the zone, the danger zone. Danger zone. <laughs> Carlos Danger. Yeah, it's just. <sighs> Shocking, folks, that it seems like our justice system isn't always objective or fair. Wow. You're telling me that people with power and money get a better shake than those who don't? Well, then sometimes people with power and money get a really raw deal. I think Paul Manafort is going to be feeling it for years. That guy screwed up big time, and he got in the special counsel's crosshairs. And I think from the beginning, he knew he was in trouble. I don't think it proves anything as far as Russian collusion goes, but let's just say Paul Manafort's in a lot of trouble. Hey, even if he got pardoned to federal crimes, he's still facing state-level crimes. He's he's in prison for a while. 
And even if, even if he does his three years when he comes out, can you, you imagine? Talking about Cohen? Yeah. Yeah. Can, can, I mean, can you imagine what his book deal is going to be? Right. Oh, and the today. Real Donald Trump. Well, and today he, he would not commit to not doing a book or a movie deal. Can you imagine a Michael Cohen movie? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I paid porn stars uh, to keep up for Mr. Trump. Cohen's very similar to Bernie Sanders, but he's a little more down here. A little more down here. Well, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, uh, look, millionaires, billionaires, there's a slight difference from Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump, you go down. They're, I mean, they're, they're both kind of New York Jews. You're so good. But Mr. Trump, I, uh, I did all, I'm, I lied, but I'm not a liar. Um, I, uh, I paid off uh, Karen McDougal. She uh, was a Playboy Playmate. It, it's this thing I called Catch and Kill. I'd go find a story, I'd pay for the story, and I'd kill the story. I'd stab the story right in the heart. I'd, I'd put cinder blocks on that story's legs and take it for a swim. I'd kill those stories. I would work with Mr. Pecker uh, of you know, AMI, the National Enquirer. Uh, uh, and uh, we also, uh, you might know her as uh, Stormy Daniels, Stephanie Clifford. I found that story, and I killed that story, but unfortunately that story came back to life, um, so I really screwed up there, now I'm going to jail for it. Um, I'm sorry, members of Congress. It, like, he just, it was such a sad show, and it's, it makes me kind of, it just, I feel icky. But again, this is not what I woke up, and in the news was like, oh yeah, I'm ready to talk about that tonight. No. What caught my eye was the news out of Kashmir, the disputed territory between Pakistan and India. Like the sweaters? I thought that was just a piece of clothing. Pakistan? Kashmir. Oh, Kashmir. Like the sweaters? No, like the Zeppelin song. Oh. It's not about a sweater? Yeah. Oh. No, this is after the British Empire <laughs> retreated. We're messing Joey up. After the British Empire, you jokers! Why don't we even invite you? I'm here? serious. Why don't I even put you? Kashmir is a breed of sheep, and maybe they originate from that region. I mean, I of could, the world. I could talk about Kashmir. That's what a Kashmir sweater it, is? It's a great a, Prince song, making you a coat of pink Kashmir. Yeah, that, that's a particular type of wool. From a particular breed of sheep. So what happened in Kashmir? Well, like, it Go goes ahead. way, way back, and I'm not an expert on this by any means, but when the British Empire pulled out and they kind of repartitioned that part of the world, uh, Southeast Asia, they essentially left this one part where they redrew the lines. It's kind of like in the Middle East. Uh, where they redrew the lines, there's disputed territory. They between, redrew the line? Yeah, well, these countries kind of fell into... You know, the British ruled them. And so now, okay, the British are giving you your independence. Figure it out. Oh. And so there's this one sliver of territory called Kashmir, and it's, like, right up next to, like, China. I mean, the Chinese rule areas right to the north of it. So China has an interest in this. But it is the most heavily... We talk about borders in this country or border issues in Europe. This is the most heavily fortified and disputed border in the world. And by the way, you know, we're having border disputes with like Mexico. More so than Jerusalem? Yes. 
Wow. Ooh, there's something they're not telling. Because here's the thing. I'll get to the difference between Jerusalem, say, and Lebanon, mm-hmm. or, or Jerusalem, and or Israel and Palestine, or Hezbollah, and all those things. That's an issue, obviously. Uh, but it's more of a problem in the sense of, okay, think of the U.S. and Mexico. The drug cartels are operating in ungoverned spaces. You do have people flowing in and out of the country, down to the southern border. What's funny, though, is I realized this last night watching a podcast. You know what we do as a demarcation of the Canadian border with the United States? There's it's most of it's forest, obviously. So we just clear cut a hundred yards. So it is. It's almost like if you go to land here in Alabama, and they had to clear cut for the power lines. It is just a hundred yards wide of clear cut, and that's the border. And there's some cameras, and that's about it. Yeah. And yeah. But we're not that worried about Canadians, which is interesting. If you're over there, you're in Canada, eh? Hey. Eh. And if Ooh. you're down here, sorry, you with us, y'all. Sorry. You know. <sighs> but I think but I those, think you know talking about the Middle East though that is one thing in in that particular part of the world for whatever reason and whatever whether you choose to believe it or not is the fact it is the actual piece of dirt that you're standing on is I want this piece of property you know whether it's oh sure a, a, the Gaza Strip or if it's you know. Pakistan or what have you, they just want to be on the piece of dirt. The people trying to get into the United States of America, it's not about, I just want to stand on the ground. I'm claiming this ground. See, they're coming here because of our society and our economic way of yeah. living. Yeah, they're of wanting to come enjoy our economy. Yes. They're not just staking a claim. The the Mexicans that are coming across the border that we hear so much about, they're not coming here because they want to take Texas back and make it part of Mexico. There's some radical groups, but they don't have much sway or much power. Very small percentage of them. Right. And, but here's the thing. That's one border dispute. Mexico and the United States. Another could be like what's going on in Jerusalem. I mean, there, there is incredible tension there, but it's not so much a, a, a traditional land border dispute. It has thousands of years of, of history stacked on top of it, giving all this very complicated meaning to it. No, but the problem with the dispute between India and Pakistan is it is, number one, one of the most fortified borders in the world, disputed borders in the world. It is a big dispute, not over just land, but again, similar to Israel and Palestine, religion. And religion plays a big part in it. But here's the thing. Both nuclear powers. Yes, that's the thing. Israel, I think, is pretty much the only state in the Middle East that has nuclear capabilities. Both Pakistan and India have nukes. And they used to fight a lot. And ever since they have had nukes, there was an outbreak, there was a kind of a crisis in 99, and there are worries now over these recent attacks going back and forth that you could, because think about this too, both of these states, the median age of the population, I think the United States is a little older, Europe's median age is a little older, the median age in Pakistan and India, I believe, are something like 27 and 23. That's low. So you're talking about massive populations, especially India, billions of people. What do you mean? 
like median age, like, like the age of people, the, the age of the country, the median, like the middle, uh, like take all the people that live in that country, the average age, not, it, not the average, like the middle. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, so an average would be like you're a hundred, and I'm fifty. The average age would be seventy-five. If you're a hundred, I'm fifty. Joe is fifty. The median age would be sixty-ish, eighty-two. Right. The median is. Okay. A little different. The then. point is, both very young populations that don't necessarily, because this is the nature of young people, know their history very well. Well, they know the bad parts of the history, but oh, they, they don't forget that. They haven't. The point is, those people haven't fought wars. They didn't go through the wars that India and Pakistan fought before. And so the border, like they do these symbolic like ceremonies where they'll have like parades and where the marking of the border, the line you do not cross, things like the line of control or something. They will like have their dressed up militaries like march right up to the border and like kind of taunt one another. And it's crazy stuff. It's dirty. It's very crazy stuff. Taunting. And it brings up the question of nuclear weapons. I mean, for the longest time, we lived under the MAD doctrine with the Soviet Union, mutually assured destruction. You send your nukes, we send our nukes. And pretty much the whole world Everybody is destroyed. Dies. Yeah. So don't do it. And it led to this gridlock, this Cold War. And we thought we could do that with Russia and the Soviet Union at the time because they were rational actors as much as they... We're real, are nuts. <laughs> they are paranoid. Um, as much as even Putin is saber-rattling these days, I, I think he realizes it's saber-rattling. I think Trump and most American presidents understand that, too. But when you're talking about nuclear states that are pretty recently nuclear, I think they both came out in the same year in the mid-'90s and said, we got nuclear weapons now. It's only been now two decades of this experiment of these two nations that are really at each other's throats. So... Uh, I'm trying to remember the details of what happened over this weekend. But essentially what happened, yeah, here it is. Two weeks after a terrorist attack was carried out, a suicide attack on a convoy of Indian security forces killing 40 soldiers, the two countries have taken progressively more aggressive action against one another. New Delhi, the capital of India, is blaming Pakistan for the bombing dispatched the Indian Air Force in response and struck what it said was a terrorist training camp in Pakistan. Soon after, Islamabad, the capital of Pakistan, said it had shot down two Indian jets and captured a pilot. They've fought multiple conflicts since the end of British colonial rule in 1947 and resulted in the partition of the subcontinent. Pakistan's prime minister and senior Indian officials have said they don't want to see the situation deteriorate any further, but any risk of miscalculation is high amid fears that any misstep could trigger an all-out war, the first between the two countries since they've had nuclear weapons. And here's part of the problem is even though the heads of state are saying, oh, we don't want this, the media in that country, and again, that young population, are all nationalistic, and how dare they attack? How dare they attack? And it becomes a bunch of posturing and, and saber-rattling once again. But this brings up what Trump is doing in Vietnam. And actually, of all people, um, Representative Mo Brooks here in Alabama, in the kind of the North Alabama area, the Huntsville area, when Trump was first talking about fire and fury like the world has never seen, Mo Brooks said, I think we could apply... MAD, Mutually Assured Destruction to the North Koreans. 
I think the North Korean regime, the people that run it, are rational actors. And I think there's something to that. Now, what the Trump administration is going for is complete, verifiable denuclearization. But, short of that, if you get a peace declaration, you start to slowly create better relations between North Korea and South Korea, which North Korea has to have a day of reckoning. Trump's big is doing a carrot and stick dance here. He's essentially got the big stick of U.S. sanctions, if not U.S. military might. And when Trump says fire and fury, that's an allusion back to Harry Truman. And Truman's the president that dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. Mm-hmm. So that's a very clear threat. We will use nuclear force against you, North Korea. And I th- think the North Koreans woke up. It scared the hell out of them. That's why they came to the table and they stopped testing. And Trump has that still in his back pocket. He's got that big stick. But he's also offering them the carrot, which probably would be something like, and this is where China comes in, you will will start to unify the two Koreas, and you, and Trump keeps saying this, will be like an economic powerhouse. And it could be similar to what China did when they reformed their Stalinist government and economy. And so maybe Trump works this out. If you completely verify and you get rid of your nukes, You'll be prosperous. You'll mm-hmm. reunite families. You'll reunite your countries. Here's the thing. For the longest time, people said to India and Pakistan, you can't have nukes. And right after they announced they did have nukes, all these countries, including the United States, threw sanctions on them. But after a few years passed... All the governments of the world, especially the United States, said, well, they got them. And what happens when you get nuclear weapons? You get a seat at the big boys' table. Mm. Exactly. It demands respect. You have to be respected, whether people like you or not. One button. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it does freak anybody out. Like, can you imagine we're going about our normal day here in Montgomery, Alabama, and, you know, oh, Michael Cohen, I'm sorry, I helped Mr. Trump. I, I lied, but I'm not a liar. And, you know, it's the normal political nonsense of the day. Maybe you're having a bad day as well. You know, you're not making as much money as you'd like. You know, all the normal things in life. And all of a sudden, a news bulletin hits. A nuclear weapon has been launched against, say, Islamabad, capital of Pakistan, by the Indian government. And there is a response soon to follow, hitting New Delhi. I think everybody in the world, there would be a significant pucker factor. You could back up to a brick wall and suck out a brick. Like, good Lord. Every nuclear power on Earth would go, this is what we've been trying to stop. It would make everybody unsettled, not to mention the environmental fallout. And, like, it's not just the blast. It is all the fallout that would follow. It unnerves people. But the North Koreans right now sitting at the table with Americans, with our president, still have this in the back of their mind. That if we, and we do have nuclear weapons, North Korea does have nuclear weapons. They can't deliver them quite yet to the United States proper. They can mess Japan and South Korea up. They can mess up the region. But they have in the back of their mind that once you get (laughs) nuclear weapons, you get a seat at the big boys' table. So why do we need to denuclearize? Look at what it's brought us. We're sitting at the table with the President of the United States. So it's complicated. 
but this is the discussion. I'm I'm some radio joker. Like I'm not spending most of my day reading about nuclear non proliferation and different ways and relations and game theory between nuclear powers. That's not what I do. I watch wrestling, brother, brother, and I have fun most of my day. There's too much in life to be too serious. But I wish it wasn't just, say, this show or our talk station that was talking about it. What's the conversation all today? Oh, Mr. Trump, I am sorry I, uh, I lied to Congress. and It's nonsense. Where very serious issues are going on in this country, and I guess the national news, news media and a lot of the politicians have made the decision that most people on this plot of the earth, the United States, don't give a damn about these serious issues. Or, I think even worse... They're trying to manipulate us. Well, I maybe... What the hell are you doing, Siri? <laughs> Good evening, Joseph. I have a Shut question up, when you... When you get a second. But it's, I think, even worse than that. They're always trying to manipulate us. That's what they're, that's what they, hmm. why do they put out these stupid commercials Yeah. every time they're running for election? Why do they grandstand on, in the congressional committee hearing rooms? It's all to manipulate us. But I think they don't talk about these serious issues in a good faith way. Number one, because it doesn't really play into them winning. It's much easier to go, that guy's corrupt and racist and sexist and blah, 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 than it is to talk about, say, nuclear policy all around the globe. But I think the worst part of it is, is the people running our government and your representatives that you voted for don't think you're smart enough. They don't think you're interested. Well, and and we buy into their propaganda as well. I think a lot of I people mean, internalize that too. Yeah, I'm not smart enough. The, it's not the, the the Democrats just today with all this other crap going on. They pass a bill today. Yeah, about uh, with guns. You, you right? can't transfer a gun. Yeah. I can't give my son my gun. It's got to go through some form of a legal process. Yeah, but here's the and thing. All that is that's nothing but a freaking bone that they're throwing to their constituents. It is, and saying, "Look what I did." Because what's it going to do when it gets to the Senate? It's going to die on the vine. Mitch but, is just going to say, "Are you kidding me?" No, right? Pal, you know. But also, no, no. imagine imagine it was a completely Democratic-controlled Congress, and uh, now Kamala Harris is president. We have a Democratic president. Democrats control the government completely, and they passed that law that the House just passed today. Somebody, it's saying that you couldn't transfer your weapon to your son without it being all sorts of publicly notified, blah, blah, blah. You going to follow that law, Southernwood? Uh, well, it's, it's beyond following the law. What would happen? Joe Manchin mm -hmm. from West Virginia would stand up and put the crooked thumbs up, just like John McCain did with Obamacare, and say, no, I'm not voting for this bill. Yeah, there would be some Democrats, the last of the blue dogs, that would do that. But here's my... It's not the blue dogs, man. It ain't the blue dogs. It's the freaking money. And they want to say what you want to hear, but they don't do what they say they're doing. That's not the point I'm making. It's not just a dumb law because it's a show vote, which it is. And yes... People in Congress are uh, beholden to their huge donors. 
would say the law passed. It became the law of the land, this idiocy they just passed in the House as a show vote. Would you follow it? No, hell no. Right. I think any law that most Americans, especially gun-owning Americans, would go, hell, I'm not following that. Here, boy, we live together. Have this. Keep quiet Mm -hmm. about it. It's a really stupid law. Good way to up the black marketing weapons more than it already exists. Oh, Good wow. Lord. Black marketing weapons. Mm-hmm. Like right. the dude that shot up everybody out in yeah. Las Vegas that was selling black market guns. Mm-hmm. My question ahead, Seth. on North Korea. Yeah. What is going to make them the powerhouse? The, he told them that they would open up essentially their economy. Right now it's a command and control economy. What do you think that they have that we want or they have that the world wants? It's going to Ocean make frontage. I mean, it's not necessarily just like that. It, it's not necessarily... They might have some resources I'm not in particular aware of, uh, but it would be more what most of the world wants is stop being an idiotic, oppressive, Stalinist regime that's threatening not only the United States, but a lot of your neighbors with nuclear obliteration and millions of people dying. That's not cool. Like, this is not, that's what most of the world wants. And the idea of you can become economically strong, much like South Korea is, is just the argument we've been making for a century, if not more now, that if you give people some modicum of freedom, not even complete liberal, classical liberal freedom, just some freedom, economic liberty, that your people will be better off. And hey, all of you that are running things, you'll be better off. So it's not a thing, it's an idea. Yeah, it's an idea, and it's a what? it's a thing in the sense that you could have more prosperity for those people. You would remove a major military threat. And, and it's not just like, oh, North Korea might hit somebody. Say North Korea hit the United States, and then there becomes an argument of, oh, did North Korea do that just as a mere aggression, which is what the U.S. would say, or did North Korea do that as a preemptive defensive measure, which the U.S. has said about its own actions, would they do that and say, we did this as a preemptive defensive measure, and would China come to their aid? And in that case, do we have a world war on our hands? Would Russia come to their aid? It it creates such a complicated situation. It's why it's such an intense point of debate uh, for people that really care. Because if you solve the North Korea problem, you've solved one of the most wicked problems that's befuddled presidents all around the world in first decades now. It's not just, oh, they have something. It's more, if we can change that country to stop being so oppressive, and it's a bizarre place, too. They're crazy. Their theory of history is weird, all sorts of stuff. But if you can open up that country, then you remove what is essentially a major tripwire like, imagine you're playing a game of risk. It, you remove a major tripwire that might set off massive war, not just on the Korean Peninsula, but globally. So I think it's just, the carrot is a good argument, though. It's like, do you want your people to be happy? I mean, we're not saying that you have to be exactly like us. Look at what China done, what has done. Look at what your big brother's done. No pun intended. Look at what big brother's done in China. You can do that in your country. And like we won't like it completely. We you'll probably still abuse human rights in ways we won't agree with. But you know, it's better than what it was. Put down your nukes and have some prosperity. And hey, we'll even bring in some Mickey D's for you. Put down your nukes and put up your dukes. Right. Just, <laughs> yeah, we'll even bring you some wrestling, and we'll bring you like there's. It's a weird thing where the North Korean regime is so 
anti-West, and yet they bring people like Dennis Rodman yeah. and basketball and pro wrestling. And there's a weird fascination at the highest levels of the North Korean government with the West mm-hmm. and with Western culture. And this fat they're dictator. starved for stuff like that. I mean, yeah. just imagine, Seth. Imagine from the day you were born, from the day your mother was born, until this day, you had one television station in your country and one radio station and whatever was playing on that that's all you got to oh hear. i know how it is over there i've and seen that kind of stuff that's, you know mm. but that infiltrates everything in your thinking and it changes in, everything in the way that you behave the way that you coexist with your fellow human beings and that's what they think the world is is exactly what they've been told it is rather than Hey, go out and figure out what it is. Right. You know, we take for granted living in this country the freedoms that we have. Freedom is and something you don't... We're, we're bad, at least I am, I know. You're bad to just kind of assume that when you're having a conversation with someone else. You know, I will every once in a while take for granted, well, I mean, you know how a capacitor works, and I'll just say, hey, your capacitor's bad. And they're like, oh. uh, what is that? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it, you, you're, you're capacitor. It's... It, you have to back up. These people have no clue how the real world works or the rest of the world works. Yeah. And so they're in a, a little bottle over there. And other countries, they don't... Everybody's got sanctions on right. North Korea, except maybe China doesn't. They but, do officially, but they sneak stuff in. Oh, yeah. They support and, and so how do you sneak it in? Then you got to pay somebody off to do if it. you get caught, you die. Right. So you pull it down... UN, the United States says no sanctions, then that opens their economy up. And this is going back to your original question how does it make their econ- economy boom? Is it opens their economy up that you're not paying off Guido to smuggle stuff into China? Uh, you can freely right trade things, you can make things. You, you look on apparel. You'll see made in Taiwan, made in Vietnam. You'll see all these things. You will never see made in North Korea right. <laughs> on anything. Right. And a lot of stuff gets made in South Korea. It's not because Koreans can't make things. No, they can't. South Korea makes a lot of things. They can, but they can't. Uh, and they work, it fixed that sort of economy fit perfectly in, in Korean culture. And really, it's amazing. Things that are lost on even, especially me, but uh, most Americans is like the intricacies, like how different North Korea and South Korea are, but it really is like East Germany, West Germany. Like, they're all Germans, but it's just a different style of government. One really oppresses and crackdowns and controls people. The other is a little freer, and it allows people to essentially organize their own lives and go for their own dreams and buy things from abroad. When you open up trade, when you open up people's freedom to be entrepreneurs and to pursue their own lives to according to their own lights things tend to work out better but here folks we gotta hit a break we're way past break time mm-hmm. but one of the sponsors of tonight's show is eddie bader with the goodsy group i was talking about him last night great all-around guy loves pizza loves beer he's very down to earth but the most important thing you should know about eddie bader is if you're looking to buy a home or sell your home Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group is your all-around, full-service real estate agent. As I've said before, he's been around the block a few times when it comes to real estate. Changed his own life with it. Really did change his own life. And with that experience of investing in real estate, managing real estate properties, residential properties, he then went to Bo Goodson's School of Real Estate. Became a full-time real estate agent and 
out of his own experience for himself and then helping clients buy and sell homes. He knows what he's doing. He knows the market really well. He can, he opened my eyes. He found some gems that were are within my price range all around the river region. Great things going on. So if you're looking to sell your home, Eddie can give you advice on repairs you might need to do to your house before anybody asks. Renovations you might need to do before any potential buyer would ask for it. That way you can get top dollar from the beginning of the negotiation. There's, there's so many things that he can teach you. A, a successful open house. Here's how people have done it and their house goes off the market very quickly. This is the sort of experience I'm talking about. Or maybe you're a first-time home buyer and you think, I'm stuck renting. I'm stuck doing whatever it is you're doing. Eddie will open your eyes. Just allow him to show you all the options that are out there. So give him a call. 322-0662. Again, that number, 322-0662. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. That was his stereo. Indeed. We'll be right back, folks. Joey Clark. Joey Clark. Uh, welcome back. The show is also brought to you by four healthy pets over on the Atlanta Highway. It's where the old skate haven used to be, right? Yeah. yeah, the Village East Shopping Center. You can see the sign as you're driving down Atlanta Highway. It's the same side of the road as Faulkner University, right there in that little humble see, shopping center. I call center. that driving up Atlanta Highway. Up or down? Because you're going up that hill when you pass Faulkner on your right. You're going up the Atlanta Highway. Let's not get into semantics here. Well, I'm, I'm just... We understand the pragmatics of it. When you're driving down the darn road. He's being 80. When you're driving on the road. How about that? And you cross right near the Village East Shopping Center. And you have that awesome, adorable pet. Whether that cute little puppy. Or that old dog. Or that kitten. Or that, well, snooty cat. Like you, can, a lot of cats you can put on like French cafe music, and they just sit there and feel right at home. It's like you, pretentious little thing. I love you so much. Right. You're so adorable. I have to go buy four healthy pets and pick up some meowawana so you can get your catnip pie on and play around. Or I'll get you some very fancy, all natural, high quality, and very healthy for you food. That's what they have over there at Four Healthy Pets for your dogs and your cats. They also have great grooming services. Just hired another groomer on staff. You can check that out online at fourhealthypetsonline.com. That's F-R-R. F-O-R. Excuse me. F-R-R. Long day, folks. F-O-R. me. <laughs> healthypetsonline.com. Or just stop by. Tell Teresa Joey sent you and that you want to check out the store. What do you have to offer? She can really make sure your pet is getting the best they need. Don't just run to a big box store and get the cheapest thing. No, go see Teresa for Healthy Pets and she'll set you right. You're forgetting the incredible chicken crack. Well, the chicken crack, I, I think I've said it enough. The chicken jerky, folks. It's all natural dried chicken. It's great. 
They love that stuff. It's good enough for people to eat. Mm-hmm. That should be the test of what you feed your pet. If you Would you it? eat it? Yes, exactly. And the blueberry biscuits, bam! You ate one, right? A lot. Not one. <laughs> they get two, I get <laughs> one. <lot>. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's Don't little, wow me. They taste overboard. great. Yeah, if sure. I like it, they'll well, Fair like enough. It. I, I'm not going to judge. There is a Krispy Kreme across the road. <laughs> well, why do you want Krispy Kreme when you can have... Some blueberry biscuits, yeah, for you and your love. So you heard it here, folks. Go buy four healthy pets on the Atlanta Highway. Get in the Village East Shopping Center and tell Teresa. Joey said hi. So, why am I bringing up all this crap? It's really more a critique of not just the media but the political culture, like what we have to talk about every day. Is and it, it troubles me that. The national media, the national media and a lot of people in politics don't think it's interesting for most of the people to talk about, say, you know, issues of nuclear proliferation and nuclear war. Because, you know, that's one of the most boring things on Earth. The potential for apocalyptic wars that could kill millions. How boring and banal. You think that's why they're not saying anything about it? No, I think part of it is... It doesn't really fit into the ongoing narrative. Of course. Whereas Cohen does. And it, in some ways it gives Trump a win, even if he doesn't get something like complete denuclearization out of the second summit. It shows Trump actually, you know, working with somebody and trying to solve one of the most wicked problems in geopolitics for, again, almost a century. And I think there's that. I think also, they don't know. Like, apparently, some punk reporter, while Trump is meeting with Kim Jong-un, tried to shout out a question about Michael Cohen. Like, really, dude? So they restricted press access after that. That's good. It's just, it's ridiculous. And it's got me thinking, how do you talk to the middle class? Because that's, I think, one of the most powerful political symbols today. The middle class, the working class, whatever you want to call that group. That's what both sides, Democrats and Republicans, appeal to. Now, they have different ways they want to serve the middle class, the working class, the great masses of humankind here in this country. But I don't really know how you talk to the middle class without sounding condescending. I'll give you Exhibit A. Ivanka Trump was sort of taking on the Green New Deal the other day. And she said, I think most Americans don't really want something, don't want us to, like, give them something. They don't want the bare minimum. They don't want a bare minimum guarantee. To which I heard that and was like, yeah, sure. And that's how I feel personally. But I immediately also heard another part of my personality, or I heard people I've heard before, and a pop-up in my brain of, oh, that's a let-them-eat-cake sort of statement. Oh, you're, you, rich silver spoon of vodka with your billionaire daddy. You know what the middle class Americans want. You can hear these critiques immediately coming up. But then if you tell people, and that's kind of my side of like, let people have freedom and figure out their lives. Like That's pretty much the way I view the world. Give people freedom, let them figure out their lives, or let, you know, say the local municipality maybe want to help, maybe the state government. But for the most part, freedom works. That's what the best thing you can give people is choice. Yes, and they often create their own opportunities. But here's the thing that I get offended by is, like, the constant, 
we need to do this for the middle class and that for the middle class and this family leave program and this minimum wage law and this universal health care program and this oh this tariff and that tariff like we need to just do all sorts of things to make things fair for the middle class get the hell out of the way and is I what find, you need to do i find that condescending as well it's like oh poor pitiful me i can't do so if you're a politician up there, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Or you got to pick your side. Are you going to condescend by saying you can do and be accused of saying essentially let them eat cake? Or are you going to be criticized of saying, oh, you poor little things. We're going to treat you like a pet and feed you and make sure you're taken care of and get to go to the vet or the doctor. And we're going to do all these things to take care of you. I find them both pretty condescending and I can't, it hit me. But I think... Our goal as a nation should be a bit loftier than uh, serving the middle class. I really do. I think our goal as a nation should be something like securing liberty. I don't know. I think it's a pretty lofty goal. I think the founding fathers, they got some things wrong, like the issue of slavery. But I think in terms of ideals, they got that darn right. I saw a great meme. It's like, the founding fathers didn't provide universal health care or other public services for the people. And then it had a picture of the Founding Fathers and he said, yeah, that's the point. We aren't going to be like other, other governments throughout world history that try to organize and take care of every aspect of society. Because that dependence that breeds also creates division between all sorts of people over those resources and over that power that administers those resources. So we're going to try this yeah. thing called freedom out. And it's not going to be pure anarchy. We're going to have a government. We're going to have some basic public services the government does. But it will all be under the backdrop of liberty. And so I think if our goal was a little loftier than, say, serving the middle class, it perhaps could be possible that the middle class would be better served. If you stop trying to talk about them and raise up the middle of people in this country as though they're either poor pitiful me and they can't do or like they're the main reason behind everything we do up here in D.C. They would be better served. Well, and you're also the more of that talk that they that they do you're manufacturing another class of people. Yes. I mean, you just said it like 15 times, the middle class. The class. That's just like the African Americans, the Asian Americans, the Native Americans, the middle class, the upper class, the lower class. Just say we. And, and so right. you've got in that, but that's what you're doing is you're, you know, you're placating to a certain group of people and so you're making another class that you have to pacify mm-hmm. and do things, quote-unquote, only on their behalf. This is for the middle class, and that's just it's ridiculous well, because I mean, you are 100% yeah, right. Maybe I, Protect liberty and freedom. Right. You're going to help not just the middle class. You're going to help everybody. Everybody. It, everybody. Is it possible that the freedom of a billionaire matters just as much as the freedom of a person that makes twenty five grand a year? Nope. <laughs> That's the usual response. Is, no, of course not. The billionaire's got it made. He didn't do anything for that money. And yeah, why? well, and he did. It's almost like when I see Bernie Sanders is holding what ten million dollars now. Are other Democratic candidates for the presidency going to come around and go, Bernie? You don't deserve all that money. We're, we're, this is inequitable. 
Well, I mean, well, that's... How did you... Well, the, the people gave the money to my campaign. They really believe in my cause. But that's what well, he preaches. That's what happens with billionaires. How do these people become billionaires? People give them money for the stuff they provide. You go to McDonald's because you like their fries. Right. And you buy them. Billions a day. That's why... Paul McCartney is a billionaire because he made great music and people like it. Yes. And they paid for it. In the same way Bernie is getting all this money for his campaign, they gave it to you voluntarily. Why is it that Bernie's allowed to collect all this money, but a billionaire can't provide a service? All Bernie's doing is talking a big game and saying, I'm going to control people and control everybody's life. And then on the other hand, there's the people out there that tried and failed. Yeah. We don't talk about them because they failed. But the people that succeeded, we talk about them. Right. And the people that fail sometimes go on to find different things. Yeah. But they still tried. I can't forget about them. I guarantee you everybody that succeeded failed at one point. And instead of wallowing in it and getting down on themselves, they picked themselves up by their bootstraps and says, okay, I'm learning from why I failed. Yes. And I'm going to change this and I'm going to do it better next time. But we just don't need those people, the, the, the folks that are talking, not to forget about those. Because that's what it sounds like, is it's just they're forgetting half the story. Half well, of it should be a story of ingenuity and achievement, and you provided something for society, but it should also be, yes, we should be more than willing to talk about you are, say, in rural West Virginia in coal country and the economy is just based on trends all over the world going away from coal and towards other things there just aren't going to be as many coal jobs and now you're poor and now not only are you poor but everybody you know is kind of depressed you're starting to notice all sorts of suicide in your community you're starting to notice all sorts of drug addiction and alcoholism and broken homes and broken marriages and you're wondering what the hell's going on here your girlfriend slash sister is leaving you (laughs) (laughs) sorry i won't have you talk about the hill people like that all right i was born there (laughs) right here's the thing is that story is true as well. And what do you do with a story like that? Well, it starts, I think, one person at a time. Like, why do you feel addicted? Why do you feel like you need to do these things? But it also starts by somebody with an idea coming along and figuring out a way to create opportunity not only for themselves but for others. I, I still I think that even in that scenario, though, I think that goes back to your personal responsibility. It does at the end of the day. There is a reason that... That's the most powerful thing. I'm not a dairy farmer anymore. There's one simple reason. It was not going to be profitable at this time of my but life, but you also to did give, doing it, and I. But I found a different way to do it. We're out of time, but you also did give that kid your chain. Yeah, I did. So you don't completely suck. No, I mean I, I don't suck at all. I'm awesome, dude. <laughs>